Well, the RBA was hawkish, no surprise perhaps after the Aussie inflation numbers and perhaps global concerns as well about how long it's going to take to tame inflation because even though it's coming down, there is a managing of expectations on just how long it'll take to get down to where it's wanted. And speaking of that, Jerome Powell has been giving a fairly candid interview to the Wall Street Journal. We'll look at what was said in light of those very strong job numbers last week. It's Wednesday, the 8th of February, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. stocks very mixed this morning. The Dow was down an hour or so back, but it finished 0.8% up. The S&P 500 up 1.3%, most of that in the last hour. And the Nasdaq closing up 1.9%. Again, a lot of that in the hour of power. Energy stocks doing particularly well because, uh, as we'll see, energy stocks, energy prices are rising. And bond yields have calmed down. Ten-year treasuries up just three basis points to 3.67%, although they did go on a bit of a journey today, as we'll discover during Jerome Powell's uh, interview this morning. Uh, But Aussie 10 years yesterday up uh, 14 basis points. The yields up to 3.59%, up a little more to 3.61% now. Three-year yields shot up 15 basis points after the RBA yesterday. Uh, So we'll definitely talk about that this morning. The US dollar has been up and down overnight. It was back where it started from uh, before Jerome Powell spoke. Then it fell a quarter percent. So now the US dollar uh, is down 1.2% on the Japanese yen. The Aussie dollar up 1% to just over 69.5 US cents. And big increases in oil. Brent is up 3.6% to almost 84 a barrel, a 4.4% increase in WTI. So uh, before we talk about Jerome Powell, let's uh, talk about the RBA. They lifted rates, of course, by 25 basis points yesterday. That's no big surprise. The question is, what they, do they do next? Here's NAB's uh, Rodrigo Catrill. So what was your takeout from yesterday? I mean, it, more than one hike beyond where we are now is looking likely, isn't it? Yeah, morning, Phil. Uh, yes, there's, there was definitely a, a hawkish tone to the guidance uh, for, from the RBA. Um, and as you say, they are re- the RBA referred to, to the need that further rate hikes, and that's the plural, um, will be needed over over coming months. Um, now, to us, obviously, the, the interesting thing is, is the concern that the RBA is highlighting uh, around the dynamics on, on inflation um, and uh, consistent with you know, what happened uh, in terms of the Q4 inflation reading, uh, the fact is inflation in Australia is broad-based. Uh, it's not just about, you know, a, a one dynamic of goods or energy, but it's actually quite broad-based. And and we also got to remember that in terms of what's going on in Australia, there's still quite a lot of those upward pressures in terms of prices and wages uh, that still need to work their way through. So it kind of makes sense for the RBA to, to be concerned that, um, more work is needed in order to bring inflation down. And in fact, they make a reference to, or they made a reference to, to the new outlook, which we will know on Friday. Uh, but importantly, they, they talked about that inflation is not seen or is seen reaching 3% by mid-2025. So that tells you that as it stands and based on the current market pricing, um, you know, in terms of rate hikes, inflation is not seen coming down significantly until the middle of 2025. And even then, it's not within the middle of the band. It's just touching the top of the band. So it does highlight that from from the new outlook, if you like, on, on inflation, more work is needed. Yeah, it does indeed. And uh, Aussie consumer confidence numbers, I mean, these are weekly numbers, so we don't normally dwell on them. But I only mention it because it was down 3.2 points yesterday to 83.6, a weekly number, but worth mentioning because that is the biggest weekly drop for six months. So there's there's a sign that households in Australia are feeling the squeeze now. Yeah, and if anything, that, that's one of the things that uh, was also stated in, in, in uh, or noted in the statement that the 
there are quite a lot of uncertainties. Um, these, of course, are, are unusual times. Everything uh, has happened very quickly, and, and now you've seen reversal of, of these dynamics very quickly. And uh, in, in terms of these uncertainties, the, the RBA also notes how the household spending may be affected by not only the cumulative impact from all the rate hikes, which we've got to remember has been super fast. And uh, in terms of, you know, uh, you know, this is the ninth consecutive hike that the RBA has done. Um, and the impact of, of all these hikes take time to play out. So uh, there's uncertainty about how particularly mortgages and, and, uh, and the repricing of those mortgages will affect the consumer. Um, and we need to be mindful of that. And, and I think that the RBA has highlighted, um, you know, that at the moment the consumer is doing really well, but we're interested to see how the consumer copes, uh, you know, halfway through the year when you start feeling the real pinch, if you like, from all these rate hikes. And they must be concerned as well about global inflation. I mean, the expectation now that, you know, global inflation is going to take longer. That, I mean, that's certainly the message that seems to be coming out of the United States now. So the RBA must be cognizant, cognizant of that as well. Surely. Yeah, they are cognizant, but they are also noting that, um, you know, we are seeing an easing in those pressures globally. Um, so it is, it is kind of uh, encouraging, if you like, if you like, from, from the good side. Um, but uh, the question is, you know, there's, there's sort of an easy decline, uh, and then you're still way, way out, out from, from where you want to be. And, and the path towards uh, sort of getting inflation down to, to that 2 to 3% ban is still a long way to go. Um, and therefore, a lot of things can happen in between. Well, next year, isn't it? Uh, that, was, that certainly That's was right. a message coming from Jerome Powell. So Jerome Powell was talking to David Rubenstein in the the last hour, so at a Wall Street Journal event. Actually, both of them showing a, 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 an amazing sense of humour. I mean, Jerome Powell was smiling on occasion. You know, normally you see, see him looking very serious. This was quite a lively discussion and a, a killer opening question, which I loved. If he had known the jobs report was going to be so strong... Would they have lifted by 25 basis points uh, or last time, or would they have done more? A great question, which he didn't answer, of course, you know, because he's a central bank governor. They don't answer questions like that. <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't quite prepared. And, and he's quite good at not answering the question, in a sense, uh, and still telling us something. Yeah, it's, it's an awful. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, t t in terms of your first point, it, it is quite, quite nice to see how candid the, the conversation was. They talked about a lot of... Uh, you know, topics mm. and, and Powell was, was quite happy. Even to, his salary to and whether he thought he was getting paid what he deserved. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. And, and emphasize how, you know, compared to the old Fed, if you like, 10 years ago, they do want to let people know what they're thinking, how they're thinking, and they want to be candid about the process. Mm. Um, so, so that was quite good. But uh, um, in terms of the, the sort of takeaways from what he said, and, and also in terms of the contrast to what's going on in Australia, um, I think there's probably a couple of points worth highlighting. One, um, uh, not quite at the beginning of the, of the, of the interview, but uh, closer to the end, he did highlight that, you know, if the labor market continues to, to show strong, uh, uh, you know, readings, then uh, there will be the need for, for further rate hikes. Um, and whilst at the same time, um, uh, the initial part of the interview, uh, the market took kind of a positive view of all of this because he highlighted the risk around disinflation. Uh, we've seen this decline in, in prices occurring in, in the good side. Um, he's mindful that similar uh, dynamics could happen in the housing sector, and arguably that's already happening. Um, and, and then the question is, well, if this is happening in the goods sector and in the housing sector, um, you know, why would it not happen in the services sector, which of course is, is the sort of the big part of the inflationary dynamics at the moment. 
Um, so he said, you know, because of the pandemic, because of things happening in a different way compared to history, we also got to be mindful of, you know, what policy does and how when you see this reversal of these dynamics, uh, you might end up having the other problem of, of you know, shooting unintended yeah. bigger disinflation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in saying that, in terms of what's going on at the moment, they're, they're very conscious of, of the strength of the labor market. And they, the key takeaway there is that Powell's reiterated the message that from their perspective, which is not what the market is thinking, from their perspective, uh, there may be the need for further rate hikes, but also because inflation is taking its time to come down, they believe that they will need to hold that uh, tight policy for some time yeah. uh, before they start well, considering any rate and that, cuts. That was, so, so that's that the, was his answer, really, to that question, wasn't it? About, you know, if, would they have changed their tune if they'd known that the job report was going to be so strong? Basically saying, well, we've always said the process is going to take some time, particularly in the service sector. Right. So ongoing increases are going to be appropriate to, to do that. And, the, and obviously the key message out of all of that is it's data dependent. So they need to see, uh, irrespective of what the market is predicting, they're going to be looking at the data, which is why, you know, you need a podcast every day that uh, looks at the data for you and analyzes it, uh, which is why we're here. So yeah. it's, it's beautiful how we fit into it all. So were there any other takeouts? The one thing I did I did see, there was a talk about the balance sheet, which they're shrinking, but, I mean, obviously no rush on that. Uh, it's all on the maturity of bonds. He said they were looking at actively selling mortgage-backed securities, but they're not into that now, basically, is what he was saying. So yeah. a very slow reduction in the balance sheet. Yeah, and if anything, it's kind of the reiteration that for them, the main policy tool is is the funds rate. Yeah. So I, I suppose the last point to make on this is that from a market's perspective, we need to be mindful that, you know, the equity market positive risk sentiment has been to some extent or to a large extent been supported by these expectations that uh, at least from a pricing perspective, that the, the Fed will be cutting rates by the end of 2023. Um, and if the data doesn't support that view um, and the market is forced to come to the Fed's view, um, uh, then that could be significant in terms of resentment. And at, at the minimum, it does highlight a source of volatility uh, for, for for equity markets and, and something that is relevant, of course, for, for the Aussie dollar as well. Yeah, yeah. So bond yields went down quite a bit, didn't they, during the interview, particularly at the front end, but then they bounced back. So uh, I don't know, people or algorithms perhaps just pushing buttons on headlines and uh, and then recovering their positions. So I'll tell you one area he did uh, just before we move off this. I mean, I, he did tread dangerously close to the boundary. And this is uh, quite timely, given that uh, next up in the United States is the president giving his State of the Union address in, uh, in, in a couple of hours. Uh, mm -hmm. But he talked about government debt and said it was on an unsustainable fiscal path. I thought, you know, that's you know, sort of like sort of getting outside that grey area of, you know, the boundaries between the central bank and uh, and the government. But as an economist, you know, you have to answer, and, and it's true, you know, it's, it's no secret that it is unsustainable. Um, the question is that no one's really wanting to address it. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, in that State of Union address, I'm, I'm sure the, uh, the, the fiscal cliff will be discussed as well as relations with China. I'm not sure if there's, I mean, there was a time, wasn't there, when markets did respond to talk of US-China relations, you know, during the Trump era. But uh, perhaps we've got other things to occupy our minds. So also in the US yesterday, the record trade deficit in 2022, 948.1 billion. We saw exports down, imports up. So uh, surely that means less global demand for US goods. So not a, a good sign, is it, for where the global economy is heading? And then a different story in, in Canada where we saw imports and exports 
both down. So again, you know, uh, a, a lack of demand. So I mean, if you, I mean, I'm sure there's other factors at play, but you, you, from that you could say, well, okay, the US domestic economy is doing okay, so they're importing more. Uh, globally, they're not doing so well, so they're exporting less, and Canada is part of that, uh, you know, that that export story. So they're importing less from the US, so they're seeing both Yeah, uh, it's also a, a dynamic um you know, that when you look at the trade deficit for the whole of 2022, it was a record number. So overall, it's a reflection mm. that whilst the number eased a little bit uh, in, in December uh, over the past 12 months, so it has been quite, quite astonishing and quite strong and a, a reflection of, as you say, of how the consumer in, in the U.S. has been doing. Also a reflection, many would argue that businesses have become more aware of the supply chains and disruptions and so on and maybe they've become a bit more aggressive in restocking particularly you know ahead of important seasons such as christmas and so on um but uh, overall I, I think that the whilst the data is only like we've seen that weakness in terms of global demand um uh, it's an important thing we think for 2023 because obviously all this tightening that is occurring mm. around the globe does imply that uh, there's a there's a handbrake, if you like, to potential for for the global economy. Yeah, uh, and then, then the big question spend. will be whether yeah. China reopening and its consumer that has saved up a lot of money and you know is very keen, as we've seen in other parts of the, the world, to to you know to do the things that they couldn't do, whether that will be supported enough uh, for for the global economy. Mm. Uh, but certainly. Yeah. Early days, but it's a theme to watch for 2023. Of course, we export inflation as well as the other question. Look, a, a lot of focus yeah. on Japan today. We get bank lending, the current account, the Economy Watchers survey. So this is a survey of those uh, directly servicing customers. So the service sector, basically. So 50 is uh, not bad or good, but the last time it was 47.9. So increasing pessimism. And of course, we saw the Japanese wage data yesterday as well. 4.8% uh, year on year in January, which was more than expected. But a chunk of that was because of bonuses. If we take the bonuses out, then we're down to, to growth of 1.9%. So the Bank of Japan would be right about 4.8%, perhaps a bit more comfortable with 1.9%. The number of 4.8% on the headline was quite impressive, the biggest since 1997, I think. So it, it is kind of like, uh, wow, big one, uh, and also reflective of how inflationary pressures are still happening in Japan and like in Australia arguably they're still on the way up. Um, now, the the details of it, uh, as you mentioned, sure, bonuses played a big part, uh, but still, uh, once you take bonuses out, they're still rising, yeah? And also once you take into account inflation, what is important is that uh, real wages have been on a steady decline since March last year, um, but now finally they're back onto positive territory, uh, just 0.1% positive, but still positive. Um, so overall, it's, it's playing in the, the right direction for uh, for the for the BOJ, but not quite yet at the levels that the BOJ would like to see. And and it does emphasize that, you know, for Japan, what happens in the Shunto negotiations, which have already started, but we will know the outcomes late in March, and also the Rengo uh, negotiations, which is for smaller firms, that, that will be super important for, you know, what the BOJ does, um, you know, towards probably more towards the middle of the year. Um, and of course, when we have a new governor, which uh, may have a different sort of tone to, to what Kuroda does and think at the moment. Yeah. All right. Uh, also today, U.S. December wholesale uh, trade sales 
and probably more interesting in earnings, I would have thought. So, uh, by the way, yesterday, just after close, Activision Blizzard, that their shares are up 6%. They had a strong earnings result yesterday, but, but they just go, and where they go next obviously depends on whether they get uh, bought up by Microsoft. But it shows if you want to make money during a pandemic, just uh, sell something that keeps people locked in their bedrooms or <laughs> sell fuel because uh, BP, the latest energy company to report record profits, $28 billion last year profit that's about equal to the gdp of estonia and they made that in profit but we get uh, disney and uber amongst the highlights today don't we yes so uh, earnings are definitely going to be of interest definitely of interest and and, and you know the the disney story is obviously about the consumer and and uber uh, as well uh, and um, mm. it's, it's also about you know whether the job cuts are coming as well yeah yeah for sure and actually the, yes there was the latest tech job cuts is uh, zoom have got rid of uh, or are getting rid of i think 15 percent of their workforce so uh, that seems to be the, the the mood in the tech sector get rid of people at the moment uh, good to talk we'll catch you again very soon thanks rodrigo cheers phil and that's it that's the morning call for today back again tomorrow morning i'm phil dobby for nap i'll see you then